Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Monday, Father. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you? How's that daylight savings time treating you? Oh, it was rough this morning. <laughs> it was great last night. Walked out of the house. It was beautiful, bright. I do prefer this time of the year, though. It, this, yeah, it takes this, you a while to get into it, though. Yeah, but waking up in the dark, oh, that's rough. Mm-hmm. But getting home to an extra hour of daylight, especially with fun. the little kids, we go outside, play, burn some energy. That's a good thing. It's always fun. So you had a weekend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, we all had a weekend. Somebody asked me, "Yeah, oh, yeah, quiet weekend, Father." I go, no, there's no such thing. There's a, there's a great line in the opening up the pilot episode of Downton Abbey when uh, somebody said, "Oh, they'll be here for the weekend," and, and the Dowager Countess, who's been living an aristocratic life where every day is just the same, she goes, "What is a weekend?" <laughs> she does, you know. It's Maggie Smith delivering it to the very best. But yeah, for priests, you know, we don't know what a weekend is. That's just more more wonderful blessings and, and, and work for the kingdom of God, and including a, a wonderful dance we had on for, on Saturday night with the parents. That's of the right. That was, that was fun. Parents' night out. Everyone had a good time. Everybody had a good time. We, everybody, you know, had a, had a wonderful time dancing. The pastor was banging pots and pans for some reason, like if the Heat won a championship. They brought that out. You know, Ora Loca is interesting. Now, everybody brings out different things, and we had confetti, and uh, we're still cleaning it out of, <laughs> out out of, of the Cumber chandeliers. Hall. <laughs> yeah, the chandeliers <laughs> in, in Cumber Hall. But it was, it was fun. We had, a, we had a great time. And so. And do you yeah. have a new title now? Do I have to call you a diff- by a different way? No, I, I don't have a new title. You were, you were, you were uh, invested? I was the chaplain of the, of the Order of Malta, which... Um, which I wasn't knighted. Knights actually, they still in the order of Malta. In the order of Malta, they still use the sword. I'm oh, like, nice. yeah, yeah, use the sword, <laughs> use the sword. And uh, and that, but I'm worried that the archbishop's going to clip one of my ears. Uh, but no, the chaplains, the priests are not. They don't use the sword for the priest. And I'm but like, it was, Darn. but it, but we did have the archbishop here. The archbishop which, was here was yesterday. Nice. I, he was happy. I, yeah, it was it was weird because I didn't preach a homily all weekend. Saturday, I had a wedding, and, and it was a deacon who preached it. And then yesterday, during my Mass, the Archbishop did it, and he preached. So, you know, there so we go. So that's why we're here this morning. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's all we have for today. Thank you for joining us, and uh, good night. Um, yeah, so, it was, but it was a great weekend. And uh, we'll talk about the Archbishop's homily and, um, and Father Andrew's homily. And, and I have some notes from other homilies I've given on the Samaritan woman, which is yesterday's gospel, so... Away we go. Let's do it. The woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, Father, I, I'm going to throw this out there because it, it just encapsulates it so beautifully. Father, One of the lines Father Andrew had, a sinner in need of a savior instantly became an evangelist. And that's that's what this, the beauty of this story is. And, and for those who don't know, we're in the, we're in year A. So these are the, uh, these are the scrutiny readings as we call them. So the the catechumens now the elect, you know the, they do the three scrutinies and the third, fourth, fifth Sundays of Lent as they prepare for 
to enter into the church at the Easter Vigil. So these readings specifically tie to the themes of the scrutinies. Um, so the woman at the well, the, the, the sinner in need of a savior, instantly becomes an evangelist. And isn't that what we all need? You know, we're all sinners, we're all in need of a savior, and we're all called to be evangelists. And, you know, what I usually focus on when in, in this gospel is that, you know, this woman just going about her routine, going about her life, goes to draw water from the well, which is something that uh, was very common at that time. And in fact, it's still very common in many parts of the world today where they don't have uh, indoor plumbing and running water. You need water, you got to go to the well. And somebody, somebody told me also another great line that Father Andrew had was, you know, the, the well was the water cooler of the day. Yeah. It's where you gather around, <laughs> you know, to talk and you know, what's going on and you see what happened here, you see what happened there. And that's a great, that's a great quote. Um, but here she was, she just picks up her, you know, her bucket, goes to the well, and they're sitting at the well, which was, you know, Jacob's well, given to, that he gave to Joseph, so it had great spiritual significance. And there sitting is, is the Savior. Now, Scripture scholars, and the Archbishop made mention of this in his homily yesterday, and I've made mention of this in the past many times, is that, you know, the progression of how the Samaritan woman encounters Jesus and how she addresses him from Jew to Sir to I see you're a prophet, I see you're a man of God, oh, you're the Savior of the world. And so that's that progression. She just She's just going about her day. And all of a sudden, she encounters Jesus and has this life-altering experience. And shouldn't that be the case whenever we encounter Jesus? And that's just not just the first time we encounter him, but every time we encounter him. And I equate that with the Mass in that, you know, we should, you know, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say the story. I always, I always do this. Something comes to mind, and <laughs> so I'm not going to say the story. Somebody walked out of Mass a few weeks ago, and he had, uh, I think, Corey, I told you the story, and he had a sour look on his face. And and I go, Hi, I go, so-and-so, how are you? He's just walking out of Mass. And he's like, do you really want me to answer that question? I go, just say fine. Literally, just say fine. I'm, I'm starting to get a little agitated. I go, say okay, but then I'd be lying to you. I go, no. You're not lying to me. Yeah. If you walk out of mass and you're not fine, then what did you just do? And I walked away because I was going to get even more agitated. And, <laughs> you know. But when you encounter Jesus, especially in the holy sacrifice of the mass, yep. you should have a transformative experience. You know, you're, it, and, and, it and it's not a magic wand, by the way. No. It, you know, the problems that you're dealing with don't just no. go away, but... They're put into context. Right. Because here's... A woman who obviously was not living a moral life, been with six men, the one she was living with was not her husband. And Jesus says, this is who you are. And she goes around telling, I met a man who told me who I am. Who knows this better than Jesus? Who's able to peer into our soul? Who's able, I wrote this in the bulletin last week, who's able to peer into our soul and say things that we won't even say in the confessional? And that's, that's the trick. You know, we on that note, really quickly, we have we had first penance for second graders last week. Today and Wednesday, we have our religious ed kids making their first confessions. And before 
before the little prayer service, I always go around to the kids. Oh, how are you? Who's excited? Are you nervous? And they, you know, some of them raise their hands going, yeah, yeah, I'm a little nervous. I said, you have nothing to be nervous about. Who are you talking to in there? Mm-hmm. I say, Father. And I say, no, no, no. Who are you talking to? I say, Jesus. Say, That's right. And he already knows everything that you're going to say. And he, he knows what you're not going to say. So there's nothing to be nervous about because he already knows. So you just have to name it. You just have to go in there and say what it is that you that are that that you want to confess. He's not going to be surprised by it because he's he knows it and he's waiting for it and he's and he's ready for it and he wants to forgive you. And there's and they just you, you see the weight mm-hmm. lifted off their shoulders. And my favorite, and I say this every year, they go into the confessional all timid and they mm-hmm. come out and they're just smiling ear to ear and like floating a few inches off the ground. And it's beautiful to see that in a child, and even more beautiful to see that in an adult. But with adults, and I said this this morning in my homily, dealing with uh, today's, Monday's uh, readings, we overcomplicate things. Yep. You know, this morning we had the reading from, from the Book of Kings, Second Book of Kings, where Naaman, who was a, a leper, who was a commander of a foreign army, you know, was sent to Israel to to be cured and and you see all these characters pop up and they're also so also full of pride when all he was asked to do by Elisha the prophet was to bathe seven times in the Jordan River yeah a little kooky the request but if you want to be cured you know if if you if you if you have an illness a chronic illness and they tell you you know you know, do this seven times, and and knowing that you're going to get the result you want, you're going to do it. Yep. But he didn't want to do it. He said, "This sounds, you know, why? And why do I have to pl- plunge into the Jordan? Why I could have done this in rivers back home? What makes the Jordan so special? Ah, <laughs> read the Bible, then you'll see why the Jordan's so special." So he finally does it. Going back to Father Andrew, last time we were t- discussing, um, we were discussing this reading, and he's like, he's like, you know, it's like, it, you know, he brought it back to the confessional. He goes, "This is like the confessional." You know, the answer's right there. You know, the solution's right there. We just don't take it. Mm-hmm. Just like the reading this morning, you know, the solution's right there to all our problems. Get all the weight off our shoulders. You know, unburden ourselves in the sacrament of confession. And yet, we're too prideful. We're too vain. We're too uh, too stubborn to do it. And so, when you have, like, all this month, you know, and all this, you know, Lent actually, you know, priests are in the confessional. We're hearing first confessions. We're hearing kids' confessions in school. We're hearing your confessions. You know, we're doing all these things. And so many people come. And so many, but for every person that comes, there's more people that don't come. And that's where, you know, the solution's there. You know, this woman, even though she really, she didn't confess her sins, Jesus told her her sins. But even acknowledging that, was a sense of relief for her, was a sense of unburdening all these things. And so she went from sinner to believer to an evangelizer. And that's what we're called to do and called and called to make that conversion. It is not that complicated. I mean, if you look at it, because the solution's right there. And that and so during this Lenten season, you know, it's important that we sit down with an examination of conscience and really go through it. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, that when we get to the end of confession, it goes, oh, and all the sins I have you know, I've forgotten. And usually, usually sins we don't want to say out yep. loud. 
The sins that we don't say out loud, those are the ones that the devil really doesn't want you yeah. to say. Because he wants them to continue to enslave you. Just like this woman was enslaved by her past. You know, and Jesus releases her. Jesus frees her. Yep. And that's what we're called to be. Yep. Quick note on that, because a lot of people don't realize it. If you intentionally withhold it, you're not absolved of it. Nope. Like you can't just throw it under the category of, yeah, and all the other things that I <laughs> forgot. Like, no, you got to name it. If you know it, you got to name it. You know, but there's a beautiful line um, that the woman at the well says. You know, he says, Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I shall give will never thirst. And her instant reaction is, give me this water. You know, I want that. I want that. And and that, that line has always stood out to me. You know, because just that total trust in the Lord. Yes, give me that. She doesn't even understand what he's saying. But but she's like, yeah, this is a good thing. I trust you. Give it to me. You know, I just met you, but there's something about you. You're making this promise, and I want that. And it's not this selfish want. You know, it's it's this, as we've been talking about, this progression from sinner to in need of a Savior who encounters him, you know, receives what he's offering, and then goes out and and shares that with the world. You know, but that line, and so often we say it to Jesus, you know, and as we've been talking about confession, do we say it selfishly or are we saying it out of this recognition of who he is as our Savior? Yes, give me that. You know, give me that water so that I may not be thirsty. Anyway, the second line, so I don't have to keep coming here to draw water. That's where we kind of get the humanity of her. You know, she's not thinking big picture as Jesus is. You know, but give me that water. I want that, Lord. You know, I want that, Lord. Do we allow him to really give it? to really give us that grace, to really give us that gift that he so longs to give us. And water, obviously, is what we're all working towards this Lent. You know, we're going through the desert, and obviously when you're going through the desert, you long for water, and at the end of Lent, we have the life-giving waters of Easter. And that's why this, this reading is presented to the catechumens, because they are working towards receiving those life-giving waters, the catechumens, to receive the waters of baptism, to be you know, cleansed of all their sins, to be welcomed into the church, to receive from Jesus that water that will never allow them to thirst again. Why? Because their thirst is always quenched in the Lord. So remember, the reading starts with Jesus thirsting. You know, he just tells a woman, give me something to drink. And obviously there's that, uh, that, Friction between Jews and Samaritans, you know, where a Jew doesn't isn't supposed to speak to a Samaritan, and obviously a male is not allowed to speak to a woman, but yet Jesus says, "Give me a drink." And the disciples had gone to town to buy food, you know. And she said, "How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink?" And then Saint John puts in parentheses, "For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans." And this is important. When Jesus says immediately, if you knew the gift of God and who is asking you, who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So, obviously he comes not knowing who he is. And he's saying, if you only knew, here's the thing is that we know. 
we have the answer. That's why I keep saying, let's not overcomplicate yep. things. We know where he is. We know we can draw from the, from the well. We know where we could draw those life-giving waters. We know where we can go and never be thirsty. But it's our pride, our vanity, you know, obviously that builds up our sins that don't allow us to have this encounter, this transformative experience with Jesus Christ. And, and again, it's, it goes back, give me that living water that I may never thirst again. You know, and just that being being receptive to that grace. Yeah, and we said it. You know, you don't go to mass and you know the magic wand, everything goes away. But that perspective. You know, the Lord gives us perspective where, you know, yes, we love to overcomplicate things and, and we may fall into scruples and you know, I'm 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 struggling with this particular sin and, and I keep falling into it and but the Lord gives us perspective. You know, and if we if we give that to him, it's not gonna I mean, yeah, hopefully we're forgiven of it and, and a healing occurs and, and we don't continue falling into that temptation or into that trap or into that sin. But what the Lord gives us is that perspective. You know, that he says, yes, you're going to fall. He fell three times on the way to Calvary. We're going to fall as part of our human nature, but he's there to forgive us. You know, and he's there to help us and he's there to strengthen us. You know, so that we, so that we become wise to those pitfalls. You know, so that we become wise to those near occasions of sin, to those temptations, so that we can spot them and run run the other way, so that you know, we don't continue making that same mistake. But what that Lord, what the Lord gives us, is that perspective, that living water. You know, yes, we're going to physically thirst. We're going to physically hunger. You know, the, the prayer after communion. I was just reading it because I skipped too far here. But as we as we receive the pledge of things yet hidden in heaven and are nourished while still on earth. With the bread that comes from on high, we humbly entreat you, O Lord, that what is being brought about in us in mystery may come to true completion. Mm-hmm. You know, we get, we get, we're seeing half things here, right? We're, we're seeing, we're not, we're not getting the big picture as the Samaritan woman at the well. You know, give me this water that I may never, that I don't have to continue coming to this well. You know, but what he gives us, what he gives us is that perspective and that grace that those, you know, that, that those you know the, those moments where where we become overwhelmed where we overcomplicate things he can just say relax you know come take a rest you know sit at my feet listen to me allow me to heal you allow me to to continue to journey with you you know I got this without judgment yep because even though he says okay this is what you've done yep. he doesn't pass judgment on her just like he doesn't pass judgment on us. Just like the priest will not pass judgment on you when you walk in and you mm-hmm. lay down your litany of sins. You know, there's so many times that, and I have to admit that as a confessor, that I have to, you know, I'm, I'm always trying, and this is something I always pray for, is that, you know, may may they encounter, not me, but they encounter Jesus Christ, because you know, may they not encounter someone who's judging, someone who's, but but someone who's merciful, just like our Lord. He doesn't pass judgment. He's there. He's he's ready to forgive. He's ready to to bring us into his divine life. We're the ones that, you know, keep him in our arms life. We're the ones that don't allow him to enter into our lives. And and here's the thing is that you know, Jesus, you know, she doesn't seek Jesus out. You know, it's not it's not even that Jesus seeks her out. I mean, obviously he's the Lord. He knew she was coming. 
I remember we were Trisha Booney, we were in the sacristy yesterday. We were talking about, you know, the um the gospel. And and I don't know, he mentioned he was he, he said, Ah, oh, you know, the chosen did a good job, you know, explaining this one. And it did. You know, the the, the T V show The Chosen, I believe it's the end of the first season that they had this encounter and the way that it portrayed it in the show was so very well done. She comes and encounters the Lord and said, Sometimes in, in, in our routine, sometimes in the most doing the most menial of tasks, those sometimes we get moments of grace. Sometimes we, you know, I'm thinking of so many menial tasks that I do throughout the day, and then at the end of the day I'm I'm reflecting on when I'm in prayer and I'm saying, Wow, even though at the moment I was like, I didn't want to do that. Yep. I didn't want to go to that meeting, I didn't want to encounter that thing, I didn't want to do this. And then you say, Wait, but there was a moment of grace in there where I was able able to receive something or able to give something as a priest, as a minister to someone else. And those are the moments that we have to allow the Lord to work through us and work in us to be able to be ultimately evangelized. Because she goes out and tells the entire town. And Jesus stayed with them. Imagine that. Jews staying in Samaria. It was unheard of. Like a Jew going now into the Gaza Strip or going into the West Bank and saying, I'm just going to hang out here for two days. Not going to happen, and, and see that was two thousand years ago, and, and it's still happening today. So, it's it's in the sometimes in the very simple, ordinary tasks, in the simple ordinary things that we do every day, that we need to find the blessings and the graces that God is trying to bestow upon us. You know, that's what we talked about last week with those those little moments of glory. You know, where, where those menial tasks are transfigured. You know, where those everyday things, those everyday encounters, you know, just a random phone call or, you know, a, someone walks into the office and, and, oh, you know, it's a, a walk-in that I wasn't expecting and I'm in the middle of something else and I don't have to deal with it. But th- th- those moments are transfigured by the Lord and they become beautiful and they become life-giving. You know, not just, not just for the person, but perhaps for ourselves as well. You know, because we allowed, we allowed the Lord into that moment. You know, we, allor- we allowed the Lord into that menial task. We allowed that Lord into the, ordinariness if you will you know and he transfigures that and makes it beautiful and makes it grace-filled and makes it transforming for us you know so on that note uh we usually do it at 10 30 so the the folks at 5 30 got a treat yesterday uh, because we moved the scrutiny to 5 30 uh and i don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with the scrutinies so i I didn't want to bring that to light because we have uh, I believe it's four adult catechumens. We have well now elect. Uh, we have it's I think it's six total uh, child catechumens. Some yep. from the school, some from religious ed. Um, so at the vigil, we'll have five uh, five elect coming for baptism, communion, and confirmation. We're gonna have a separate mass for the, for the kids just to make it a little more special for them. Uh, but Father, can you tell us a little bit about the scrutinies and and what they are, what we're doing with that? Well, during the third, fourth, and fifth Sunday of Lent. You know, this week we have this man or woman. Next week we'll have the, the, the healing of the blind man. And then in the fifth Sunday of Lent we'll have uh, the raising of Lazarus. And each, you know, it's basically, listen to the, just break down the word scrutinies. We're scrutinizing these men and women who want to receive the faith. And it's not scrutinizing saying that, you know, we're, we're examining them or, or testing them. It's just like we are basically scrutinizing their soul. Like yesterday you had an exorcism. We want to 
get rid of from them all the power of the evil one. And and so each week we do something we do a different rite to be able to bring them closer to the Easter sacraments that they're going to receive during the Holy Trinity on Easter during the Easter vigil. And so every week we have that, you know, this week we had it at five thirty because we had the Archbishop here at ten thirty mass. You know, next week we have the next week and the week after we have it at ten thirty as well. So each week we have a way of we bring them forward, but it's also a way for the people of God. And and Father Andrew's been very good about reminding the people of that it's our duty as Christians during the Lenten season to pray for these men and women who are preparing to join us in the Catholic faith. And we pray for them almost every week in the prayer of the faithful. And uh, even the prayer of the faithful that are in, in that, are, that is in the missal has prayers for the catechumens because these are people who are genuinely thirsting to enter. I'm, I'm speaking to um, a gentleman. I've been speaking the last several weeks with a gentleman who who went through Emmaus who is not remotely a Catholic, but now wants to be Catholic also and is very well read. Has read, you know, you know, classic Catholic authors and doctors of the church. And I'm like, wow, you're pretty yeah. much ahead of even, even people in my community. But you know, but there's a general thirst there. And so the way we do, we do this groupings is, is by presenting them these gospels and saying, okay, these are uh, these are the stories that have to do with the scrutiny of the day. So yesterday, it's like, okay, we want to want your thirst quenched. You know, this this thirst that you that you have this this part of your life that's been missing, this hole in your heart that that needs to be filled can only be filled with Jesus Christ. I, I love converts because of that. Mm-hmm. As as a cradle Catholic. I kind of take it for granted sometimes, and I know a lot of us do. But when you when you meet a convert, you when you speak with them, you know, I think of Kathleen last year, you know, and just have, getting to know her as she was redoing the you know repainting the nativity, and just those those little conversations we had, and, and to understand where she came from and the struggle that she went to, you know, to because she had that that hole in her heart, that right. hole in her soul, and and she wanted something more, and she thought she found it, and then no, it's it's not that, you know, so it was kind of bouncing from one thing to another and then to, to see them go, aha, you know, I find, I finally found it. And just their perspective on the faith, their, their love for the faith, their zeal for the faith, you know, because again, as a cradle Catholic, yeah, I was, I was raised in it and it's almost second nature to me. And I don't really think about it as deeply or, or, you know, as, as, uh, you know, uh, as deeply as I should, because it's just part of who I am since as far as I can remember, you know, but for a convert, you know, to, to go through that struggle, to really study, to enter into that mystery, to enter into that, you know, to literally wrestle with it, you know, is this something that I really want to do? And then for that, you know, and we, we will probably come out running over here after the Easter vigil to, to record <laughs> another podcast because there is nothing more beautiful. Be warned, Angie. There is, <laughs> oh, she's fast asleep by that time. Yeah. So, there is nothing more beautiful than than those catechumens after the Easter vigil. Oh yeah, yeah and just their joy and and the light that they give off. You know, it's just it's overwhelming. But right now they're not too dissimilar than than from the Samaritan woman yep. in that they're yep. thirsting yep. for something they don't know, but they're they're slowly just just like the Samaritan woman, mm-hmm. starting to understand. Who Jesus is, and I'll tell you, coming to the conclusion, you are the savior of the world. Yep. You know, so when they, you know, when the Samaritan came, they came and they invited him to be with them, 
And what's beautiful is because of her evangelization, she at the end, the, Samarit the Samaritans as a whole said, we no, no longer believe because of your word, they told the woman, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that he is, that this is truly the savior of the world. So you go from a stranger, you know, because, you know, for a convert, you know, they hear about Jesus. You know, who is this? You know, why why is he so important? And then as you slowly start to read about him, you slowly start to get, you know, get to know him like the Samaritan woman, you come to this conclusion, wait, it's 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 basically the journey of faith for all of us is it's coming to the conclusion that Jesus is Lord, which is a central, you know, you know, the central proclamation that we have as Catholics, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Lord of my life, he's the Lord of heaven and earth, he's the Lord of our church. And so these are the things that, that we contemplate and that we present to the catechumens during the Lenten season as they are in the last, you know, the home stretch, mm -hmm. the home stretch of, of their preparation to receive the Easter sacraments. And and that and that's and watching them walk and watching the joy in their face and in their faces and, and not only during the Easter vigil, but obviously obviously leading up to because you know, two weeks ago they met the Archbishop in, in the cathedral as they went for the right of election and and it went from catechumens to elect, you know, the, the Archbishop elects them into the faith and says, you know, we elect them into becoming part of our community. And there's so many that are that are still asking questions. And and even though you may be a cradle Catholic, you know, it's okay to be kind of like the Samaritan woman and, and say, absolutely, you know, I need to get to know this man because he already knows me. Mm -hmm. He knows who I am. You know, when... So I love when she says, this man has told me everything I've done, everything I know. Every, he has told me who I am. You know, uh, that's what we need to be getting to, is, is, to getting, is getting to a point where we say, you know, he already knows who I am. I need to get to know who he is and get closer to him. I want to transition to and finish this segment in, with something important. Today, we celebrate the 10th anniversary of Pope Francis' election. And if I were to ask you, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question first, but I'll, to let you run because I, we haven't discussed this. Yeah. Uh, what is one of the hallmarks or the, you know, of Pope Francis' papacy so far? 10 years. Benedict didn't make it to 10 years. Obviously, uh, John Paul II made it 10 years, and even then, he was 26 years as Pope. But for me... Don't steal my answer. I was going to say mercy. <laughs> okay, no, that's not my answer. Okay, for me, it's like what what he did during the year of mercy in 2015, he wrote a book called The Name of God is Mercy. You know, he has brought the merciful face of the church mm -hmm. and of our Lord, first and foremost. Yep. But he has been able to to be, uh, you know, the Pope of Mercy, uh, a Pope that, you know, that is calling us to conversion, a Lord, who, a, a Pope who is calling us back to the Lord, and to me, that's one of the the hallmarks of, I and mean, obviously being open to everyone, and saying, you know, Christ loves all of you. My now, my answer on since you ahead. just mentioned that is margins. Oh, there you go. Because if just looking at his travels, 
he's not going to the Catholic hotspots, if oh, you will. We, de- we debated that. You know, he's he's going to you know he's he's the first pope to go to a majority of the places that he's gone to. You know, he's he, he's going to. Uh, I mean, I'll say it, controversial places. He went to the Dep- Democratic Republic of the Congo and South Sudan last month. Yep. That was his last trip. Yep. But but he's going and he's and he's shining a light, you know, not just a light on the people, but he's shining the light of Christ to those people, you know. And he's he's going places that popes have not gone before, that popes would not dare go before. That that you're going, wait, he's he's going where? Why is he going there? You know. But but that's been part of his message is is to you know make us aware of the margins because we can get so comfortable, you know, right here in the in the cozy, you know front row, middle seat, you know, but there are people, you know, we, we always poke fun when we have Catholic gatherings, right? The front the front is always empty and the last pew is jam-packed. You know, there's people in the last pews of the world, if you will, you know, who often get forgotten, you know, and he's made it he's made it a point in his papacy to go out to them and and to listen to them, not just not just go out and talk to them, you know, and say this is what you need to do, but really to listen. You know what? What is it that you're dealing with? What is it that you're struggling with, as a as a person, as a community, as a people? You know, as these marginalized communities, you know, and say, what can the church do for you? So really elevating that and making us aware of the margins that exist in the world and in our church. And it's funny you mentioned about the margins because uh, we were in the rectory the other day, and there was three or four of us in the kitchen, and we were talking about. Uh, we were talking about the Pope's travels. I don't know what we were talking about it. And all of a sudden, we I, I, I mentioned, I go, you know what? In all these, this was Friday night, I go, in all these travels the Pope has made, he has not gone to, let's, say, let's just use Western Europe. He has not traveled to Great Britain, mm-hmm. to France, to Germany, or to Spain. And those are the four big countries of, West, of Western yep. Europe. He's been to almost every country, you know, in East in Eastern Europe, but to Western Europe yeah. is like okay, and I'm like, it's not to say that they don't need because especially those four countries they kind of need a, a, a <laughs> awakening because Christianity's on the decline in Western Europe. And that was something that was very much and he's spoken about it, but it was very much in, the, in, in you know on Benedict's mind being from Germany, and John Paul II also talked a lot about that. But see. Another thing about the Pope is he doesn't do what we expect. Far uh, from it. <laughs> the other the other day, I read a quote that uh, he he had a quote early on in his papacy. He goes, he's like, yeah, I'll be a Pope for two three years, and and Benedict gave a good example. So you know, and then I'll just retire. And and here he's ten years old, you know, ten years old, and he's a Pope. Ten yeah. ten years as 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 our as a Supreme Pontiff, and no signs of slowing down. Yep. You know, he's got. Keeps announcing trips, and obviously this year the big trip is is to Portugal for for World Youth Day in uh, in, in in Lisbon. You still kind of brace for impact on those return flights, right? Yeah, I do, <laughs> I do. But but it's when, like when he goes, we're talking about when he goes off the cuff with these uh, yeah. with, the, with the reporters. No, but, but he just gave a, a magnificent interview. Um, I don't know if it was a, it, to an Arge, I think it was to an Argentine paper uh, this past week where he where he spoke. Everybody's been talking about. He needs to speak forcefully. Against the the regime in Nicaragua, well, you know what he did. Yep. And you know why he hadn't done it yet because of what it happened immediately after that. So 
Nicaragua cut out ties with the Vatican, mm-hmm. diplomatic ties, all and and Lord knows the repercussions going to have with within the church or not. You know, this already happened. You know, that's why the Pope made the comment that they were prohibiting the government was prohibiting processions. You know, our housekeeper here, Nubia, you know, who's from Nicaragua, saying that their people are doing processions at four o'clock in the morning. They're doing the, the way of the cross because you don't want it. They don't want to deal with the, the police or the government during the day. And these are in remote villages, uh, and so that's why the you know yes the Pope, you know, has to be. Everybody wants the Pope to say this or the Pope to say that, and Francis does not is, is does not do what we expect him to do, you know. But you know what? You know who also didn't do what we expected him to do? John Paul II, and we revere him as a saint. Benedict, he resigned. We didn't expect him to do that. Yep. And so, Pope um, Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. <laughs> like, like the disciples said, uh, he you, said, "You're going, you're going to the well. Where you're going to talk exactly. to who?" This <laughs> the gospel. They come back. They see him talking to this woman. I'm like, wait, wait. You're talking to a woman. You're talking to a Samaritan. So, but Pope Francis more, than, and I think it's because Pope Francis has been the Pope the longest during social media. Mm-hmm. And so everything he says is amplified, scrutinized, criticized, and dissected, you know, for, for better or worse, you know, in social media. And, you know, it's just disseminated in just all sorts of horrible ways. And But today, we it's a, it's a day of giving thanks for 10 years of a man who was ready to retire. In fact, had given his resignation already to, to his predecessor. And he said, you know, just hold on. Because not that this person had any insight, but probably the Holy Spirit said, "Yeah, just don't, mm. don't, don't take it just yet." It doesn't mean he couldn't have been elected pope; he would have been in the conclave anyways. Right. But the Holy Spirit wasn't knowing them, just like he's not done with us. So we give thanks to God for ten years of an extraordinary papacy, a papacy that has challenged us. You know, and as he challenges us every day to look at life differently, to look at, as you said, at the margins. To not ignore those people who are on the margins, to not ignore those churches who are on the margins, and to basically bring everyone into, and, and I go back to that year of mercy, where he emphasized the mercy of God, which was at work yesterday in the gospel as Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman. So just meditate on that, and, and I ask you that question as well, you know, what is your biggest takeaway from 10 years of Pope Francis's papacy and with many more hopefully to come. And we pray today for, you know, health and, and pray for the Holy Father's intention. So my friends, as we, as we finish up, you know, our meditation on the woman at the well, you know, how do you encounter Jesus? How do you, approach Jesus do you are you is your heart open do you allow yourself to go as father andrew said from a sinner to a believer to an evangelizer or are you you know are we so stubborn that we just stay stuck there and overcomplicate our faith and overcomplicate our lives and let scruples get the best of us that we don't allow god to heal us of our sins as he healed this Samaritan woman. Go to the well. Don't overthink it. Allow yourself to be transformed by Jesus and let your life never be the same 
as it was never the same for the Samaritan woman who went out to preach the gospel. Yes! Yes! The you! The you! The you! The you! running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but... Just... No. Get out of here. What was that last night? So you had a weekend, huh? Yep. What I got in my hand? Ah, uh, bracketology. It's your bracket. By the way, it's two years. Two years ago today, Jorge and I did our first practice test podcast it was to, oh wow hand, because i had the pot i had the bracket in my hand it was the day after selection sunday there you go i don't know if it was two years ago today it was two years after you know in terms of selection sunday so yeah it's fun uh got the bracket in my hand i filled mine out but i, I, I you know i keep mine a secret no i know <laughs> i was gonna say something i'm like anyhow just leave that in there don't even edit it out leave it in there um <laughs> I don't know why. And Father Andrew and I discuss, you know, we, we discuss things. And, and like, I when, it, when the bracket came out, literally, I filled out my Oscar pool. We'll get to that in a second. And my bracket within 10 minutes. It was, I, I, I was complaining, why is Selection Sunday the same day as, as, yeah. as, as, as Oscar Sunday? And I, but, you know, it turned out okay. I filled out both pool sheets on the same. At the same it, time. Not at the same time, but it was, it was like 10 minutes apart. And usually how I fill out the brackets, I just go through and just instincts just escape. You know, that's uh, how i do it okay that's why i never win well so <laughs> at some point like i always i always record bracketology i started watching last night and i fell asleep uh but i i i watch bracketology what they they do i don't know how espn these guys literally an hour after the bracket they have to and, they, and they've complained about this that they, yeah. the producers make them fill out the bracket and say who's going to win the national championship so they have content to air yeah. so i'll go back and i'll look at that uh, UM is at number uh, a five seed, playing Drake. They have such an easy region. Houston, who lost just like us, lost a you know important piece of their of their starting lineup yep. uh, during their tournament. Uh, they're the top seed. Te- uh, Texas is the second seed, but there's a road there for UM. Uh, a lot of people in the ESPN is even this the, the year. No, but here's the thing is, is that they've, the they've played they're Jekyll, so They're too te- Jekyll and Hyde. But they've played so terribly yep. since that Florida State. That Florida State game, I think, is still in their head. Yep. They played such an incredible first half. They blew them out of the building in the first half. And then yep. say, wait, we got to come back for the second half? Mm-hmm. And they didn't, and they lost on a buzzer beater. If that, if that shot doesn't go in, you know, do, does it affect them? Yes or no? Like, for example, they, they blew Duke out of the building from yep. wire to wire, and they lost to Duke. On on uh, on Friday, so uh, for, I didn't see the game. I was at the Heat game. We'll get to that also in a second. Uh, the, the referees apparently cost us that game, according to a friend of mine. But he's always, you know, buscando la quinta pata gato. So it's like um, he's always blaming referees. I, I have a problem with some seedings, like uh, you know, I was look I was looking at at, at the brackets, you know. Texas A&M, you know, they, they had an incredible season. They had all these quad one victories, and, and their RPI is... Or he's looking at me like, funny. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, listen, I turn them back and down. They're, they're talking about these things, 
And I don't know about seedings. I, I, we don't watch college basketball. It's amazing we watch the UM. That's why I love the bracket challenge because we get, we we invite the staff to do it. And who won it last year? Forgot. Uh, was it Gloria? Finally, I think Gloria won it last year. Yeah, we have. To, I think we can still go back and check. Yep. But for the most part, we have no idea what we're doing. Nope. And and it's epic because some brackets are just blown to pieces after the first, not even the first round. After the first half of the first round, they're already gone. But but that makes it fun. I don't get Pitt that we beat on the last day of the regular season. And apparently Pitt was in there to share the AC title, and they're in a play-in game against really? Mississippi State on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know when it is. How'd they do in the, tur- in the conference I tournament? I don't remember. I don't know. But uh, Pitt's in there. Um, yesterday somebody mentioned the Gauchos of UC Santa Barbara, 14 seed against Baylor. And when some of the, when the analysts says, you know, look out for them to make an upset. I'm not going to pick them. I'm just saying. Florida Atlantic, 31-3. and three, Conference USA champions. They're a nine seed. 31-3. and three. They're ranked. Well, you know, the rankings, you know, the AP rankings mean nothing. I mean, I don't even know if they're, you know, putting new ones out today. But they mean nothing. Uh, but the top seeds, Houston, Kansas, Alabama, Purdue, just fill it out. Go nuts and enjoy the madness because... You know, this, anything this, can this piece of paper will probably be in the trash can <laughs> on Sunday night. Now, Jorge, I have a confession to make on air. I went to the Heat game on Friday with our school. We how they do? The I, for, heat, I forgot the to ask one, how the, the No, the kids. The kids. Uh, <laughs> okay, sorry. You have to be more specific. Because uh, they, you said, you know, how did they behave? <laughs> the kids did a great job, as, as they always do. Miss Field does an, an amazing job. I asked her, when you have time to... Yeah choreographed this to put mm. this together and, and it was because I thought it was going to be something that they've been practicing for their musical this year which is what they did last year no they did something totally new and I'm like oh. cool uh, they did a greatest showman medley which was amazing um, so I did something that I consider cardinal sin for sporting events okay Father Andrew and I went to the Heat game uh, we want to thank Rudy and, and Jenny Ruiz who are great friends of the podcast who listened to us every day and who gave us uh, tickets and we used those tickets uh, when we were with the sisters. The sisters had tickets behind uh, the Cleveland bench. Oh, wow. And so... That would have made Sports Center. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been great as a TV <laughs> visual, but I'm like, yeah, you know, sisters, you're not sitting there. And they wouldn't see anything. They wouldn't see anything. Also, you know, there's cursing and it, it, so... I said, sisters, so we know the people in the heat, so they moved our tickets around. So Rudy and Jenny, somehow I ended up from your seats in where the sisters are going to sit. Now, that's kind of, like, it was Roby in front of where we sat last year. Which the heat uh, gave us. Which the heat gave us, yeah. So just, you Which know, is a great experience, but terrible, terrible for exactly, following the game. It is, you know. We had we had a blast, but in, so it was, so we sat down there. But the, the, by the way, so this is not the Cardinals and is moving from the seats that were gifted to me for parishioners <laughs> to upgrade to better seats. Because trust me, they were not better. Like, Father Andrew said it best. He says, there were great seats for like five minutes. Yep. You know, you see everybody and then all of a sudden you can't, like for example, we're sitting behind the bench so when the co- action goes no, you to the anything. other side of the court, you have to look up at the video screen because yep. you can't see. So we go upstairs to watch the halftime show. It was in the East Plaza. And after that, you know, we're, we're talking to parishioners and we're, and then before we know it, the whole third quarter has elapsed 
Oh, well. And we're still talking, you know, because yeah. being good priests, we're, you know, sure. people are coming up to us. Former parishioners are coming up to us and, and hey, Father, how you doing? Because we still got, I got the sore thumb. And, you know, six sisters, they, they always leave at halftime because they have to come back. They have an early bedtime. And the Heat are losing by 13. Now, Father and I look, Father and I look uh -oh. at each other. And there uh -oh. was an event going on in the church, and we didn't want the church to be left open. The Heat are losing by 13, and I'm like, and Father Andrew's not the biggest Heat fan, nor is he a big basketball fan. He left early. I know, but this is not like Ray Allen leaving early, like those <laughs> those those guys that left during Did game six. Did he turn six. around, come sprinting, trying to no. get back in? <laughs> but so we're looking at it, and we're like. And, and 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 Rudy and Jenny, if you're in the car listening to this, please don't veer off the highway, okay? Because I was like, I and I, and I appreciate it, and I love you guys, and thank you so much for your generosity. And because it's something, Jorge and I have gone to baseball. Have we ever left a baseball? No. Other than the Holy Thursday one, we had that we had to leave early. We had to come back for mass because we've sat through some really bad Marlin games. That's 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 not far out of the warm, you know yep. of reason, but we stay until the last out is recorded. Thankfully, we don't have to suffer through rain delays anymore. Exactly, because we would, I would, I would sit through. The, well, we had one rain delay. In yeah, the I know roof, that's but. true. <laughs> so we left early, and literally when we when we uh, when we got out of the garage, obviously it was also beat traffic. And, and, but all these things were going through my mind. I go, these are things that don't go through my mind. I blame Father Andrew. I'm blaming Father Andrew. Okay, I'm I, should, just, I should call Father Andrew over. I get should, his get his I side should, of the. I should. <laughs> I should I'm trying to deflect blame here. But no, I should have stayed to the end. It was a great game. And so they were down by 13, but, but when we got into the intersection, I looked back at the score, and we were up by four. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's basketball. And I got back to the house, and I was able to see the last two minutes in the house, and it was a great ending, and the kids had fun, and everybody had fun, and so thank you. Um, but the Heat, ugh, they, they win on Friday, had a great win against Cleveland. It's a very good team, very solid team. And then they go lose to the lowly magic the next day in overtime. Come on. I don't get this team. Just like we say, we don't get the, you know, you know, the Hurricanes. There's other NBA teams like that. Golden State's defending world champion. Yep. They won a grand total of seven games on the road this year. Well, they, for what reason? But such is life. I don't get how a team like Los Angeles, the Lakers, have LeBron and AD on their team and still are under 500. And now LeBron's injured right now, and AD is perpetually injured, but he's there right now, and Jorge's shedding a tear <laughs> for the Los Angeles Lakers. He, I guess he's still hurt from the 2020 finals. Anyhow, so that's my my confession about the Heat game. It was a great game, and I thank everyone who went out and for supporting the kids, and it was a great school event, and and obviously for the Ruiz family for the generosity and donating their tickets to the priests of the parish. But uh, but yeah, it was it was it was. I mean, for the first half, it was a. It was a fun experience. My my sister was also there with tickets we were able to get by the oh, heat, nice, and they had nice. they had a fun time. Other news: the Dolphins had a very very big signing yesterday. I mean, trade. Excuse me, uh, Jalen Ramsey, and I was not expecting that one because yep. we needed a cornerback, and we gave him up for nothing because that second round pick that we gave them was the second round pick we got from New England for Devontae Parker. So, hey now, all right. Now everything has to do. Everybody's saying. To stay injured, I mean, stay injury free, and the sky's the limit on this team. Uh, baseball, World Baseball Classic in town. Yep. Big surprise on on Saturday night. Venezuela beat the Dominican Republic 
and then yesterday beat Puerto Rico mm-hmm. soundly. Of, uh, and we're like, wow, that's our boy Pablo. Pablo went out there, you know, who of happy memory. Yep. He was he was out there. Sandy got didn't get lit up. He gave you know three and runs, but uh, wow. And then the U.S. won the first game against Great Britain. Still undefeated against Great Britain on American soil. That's great. Um, but yesterday got their clock cleaned by, by Mexico. Wow. Yeah, it was switching back and forth on that one. But I got to ask you a question. What I don't, I don't know if you saw the five-way tie in, I think it was Pool A. All five teams went two and two. In uh, the Cuba bracket? Yeah. So the tiebreaker, and oh, I have boy. I have issue with the tiebreaker. What's the tiebreaker? Is uh, runs allowed per defensive out score uh recorded what that's some so the, analytic geek so the lowest ratio of runs allowed per defensive out recorded so advance that's how bracket cuba and italy netherlands didn't advance no wow because netherlands got beat up in the last game so their defensive runs wow uh, their their runs allowed per defensive so out that recorded. doesn't bode well for the u.s if there's a big tie wow yeah that's why when I saw it? the when I saw the score, what I was, was like, "Oh, that's not going to help U.S. in a tiebreaker." What was the final score? It was ten to two? I think yesterday, something like that. So it, it was. It was. It was. It was. I mean, it was bad. Not as bad as what Korea just did to China, but uh, last night it was uh, eleven to five. Even, even worse. we gave up eleven runs. Venezuela beat Puerto Rico nine to six. It was. It was worse than that. And the Dominican Republic was Nicaragua later today uh, noon. That, we talked about this last week. Why are the Marlins and the City of Miami making such a big deal about yeah. all the traffic around the stadium? Because, I mean, I know we're not used to sellouts in that stadium, but, I mean, we used to sell out that area, that the site, the, the you know, that site where the Orange was, that 88,000 people would show up for Florida State, my UM yep. game, or, Flor- or Miami uh, Notre Dame game, and we were just fine. What, you know, Ashley told us her, that her boyfriend went, and they had closed off all the streets around the stadiums. So you couldn't park in front of people's houses, like no you know, way, which is part of the tradition, part of the fun, and about a fifty minutes to get into the stadium. Wow! Come on, no, we got to do better than that. Let's go. And and you were saying, is um, there? Yeah, I said if, did they put out a PSA for uh, for don't buy don't buy your food at concessions because because concessions when there's an opening day, it's oh, just it's awful, awful. But such is life. Uh, other the, the other, skeptic in me thinks there's uh, some. Some wheeling and dealing going on with Brightline to, to force people yeah, onto the trade. Yeah, because they're really pushing Brightline on all this. But if you're living in Miami, why would you yep. use Brightline? And why would you go to downtown to get to yep. to get to Marlins Park? It doesn't, or whatever, Lone Depot Park, whatever it's called. Uh, I don't know. That's, but it was nice to see the crowds, though. It, no, see, and the energy. And two hours before game, and the West Plaza was packed. So somebody like, said the other come day, on, if, don't you're, tell if me. you're the Marlins, sign half your half yeah. Dominicans, half Puerto Ricans, <laughs> half Venezuelans, and half Cubans, and boom, you got you got yourselves a show. Yep. Um, Robinson Cano's doing pretty well. He doesn't have a team. Just saying there. You know, but we don't need any more infielders. Okay. Well, we got two more. We picked up two more last week, so. <laughs> yes, we did. We finally signed Yuli Gurriel, and uh, Iglesias is the, the shortstop, so... They're, they they did some minor league work. I I saw their stats from the minor league game and they were pretty good. Uh, so let's see what how that works out for the Marlins as opening day is two weeks from Thursday. Can you believe that? How, how about that? Two weeks from Thursday. You know Miami finally lost a game on Saturday. Lost to New York <laughs> FC who eliminated uh, us from the playoffs last year. Won nothing. I saw in the little ticker we we're like the we we're tied for third in uh 
probability to win the championship this year, according to some sports book. I was like, M- what? And the MLS Cup? Yeah. Interesting. Um, I was like, what is what is that ticker saying? Th- tied for third. I was like, all right, sweet. There you go. <laughs> um, Jorge and I last week were having fun watching the Players' Championship in TPC Sawgrass in Punta Vedra Beach, Florida, watching the famed Island Green and watching golfers hit their balls into the water as we would do. It was fun. But they got two hole-in-ones. There was two hole-in-ones. It was incredible. Uh, and the guy, by the way, the guy who hit the hole-in-one on Saturday, what do you think he did on Sunday? Oh, he... How many times did he put it in the water? No, just once. But still, it was like, <laughs> the, you know, 17th, give it the 17th, take it away. But uh, Scotty Schefter ran, won that running away. There was absolutely no drama. I turned that on yesterday when I got home at 3 o'clock, and there was absolutely no drama. He was like six strokes up, or he won by five strokes. It was crazy. The big drama yesterday was in the Oscars. Jorge, you want to know how many picks I missed out of 20... I think it was 27 that well, category. You, you tweeted out you went seven for seven to start. And then I went nine for nine to start. All right. And I lost only four the rest of the way. It was that original song. Of, I thought I was going to lose anyways because Rihanna was nominated, but I picked Lady Gaga. And and uh, uh, it was an Indian song that won. Go figure. I got I nabbed all the major categories, acting go. categories. And, you know, I was only watching it for Ki Kihu Kwan, who was short round in Indiana Jones and the Temple Doom, and Data in the Goonies, who after you know after starting his career almost forty years ago, had a major comeback, had an incredible role in Everything Everywhere All at Once, who won everything. Um, sorry for the pun, and they were, and he was just so emotional when he got on stage, and and was just amazing. And his I did mo- see a clip of his uh, of his speech. It was it was it was just so emotional. It was it was a great great night, um, you know, for him and and for the cast of everywhere everything everywhere almost almost saw the movie again last week just to see did did I really like it? And Father Andrew watched the entire Oscar ca- telecast with me, just to provide commentaries. Like you know, it's like the two <laughs> old guys from the Muppet Show. Uh, I'm 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 blanking on the names of. I'm thinking of the guy. I'm, I was going to say the guy from Trading Places. But uh, no, we were there and we we're just, you know, lobbying, you know, just giving commentary. And and it was fun when you're watching with somebody else. And, and it was actually, it was not that political. I was like, whoa. Right. What That's made good. it was that Cocaine Bear came on. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. I have not seen it. I was like, I, can I, we have the, the bear host the rest of the show? Because he just kept coming on to do bits. Did Ashley finally go see it in theaters? I think she did. I I, I, know, I don't did. know. She was gonna go see, but she had something that that, uh, that came up. We gotta, I gotta, I gotta, gotta find ask out her. If she... But it's made some money. <laughs> In fact, I think they're talking about doing a cocaine shark. Oh jeez. <laughs> but I don't know if that's a true story or based on a true story. No. So what, are, what are the four you missed? Uh, so the four that I missed. Song. I, I missed original song. I missed adapted screenplay. Got that one wrong. I thought it was gonna be all quiet in the rush of fun. And women talking won that. And the documentary short, uh, I lost and. You, you mean you didn't watch all the documentary shorts? No, I re, I do I re, I read up a little <laughs> bit on these things. I don't have time for that. I have I didn't have time to do watch all ten movies. <laughs> I, I told you I gave up after Banshees of Insurin. Uh, of in, of in, I I mess. I, it's a made up word. It's a made up island, anyways. I, so I can I could pronounce it however I want. In Sharon, I think it's what it is. Oh yeah. yeah uh, the yeah. donkey from that movie made an appearance, supposedly. And I found out later it was not the actual donkey from the movie because that donkey's in Ireland. Hmm. It was an you know, kind of a copycat donkey, but everybody, 
a laughter at everybody's face. Uh, but very interesting evening, uh, th you know, three and a half hours of your priest wasting. We weren't wasting time. We were, we were actually <laughs> doing other things. We, we, I said in the first Hey, we you're entitled to some downtime No, too. but we were actually, he's working on his homilies. <laughs> I was, we were discussing today's readings. We were discussing other things. I was working on other stuff while the, the Oscars were going on. And we were flipping back and forth nice. to the Mexico-U.S. game when it got to, to 10 o'clock. But yes, I only missed four. I don't, know, I don't remember what the fourth one was, but it wasn't a major wasn't a major category it was one of those like uh oh i'm i'm blanking out on it but i, I think it was a sound i got makeup i got uh but it was one of those visual effects it was avatar won one oscar for visual effects that i, that's I told you it's, it's a visual masterpiece duh. uh top gun one sound uh i think editing maybe no editing i got because that was everything everywhere that's so many different scenes and that's an editor's nightmare but it was it was fun. I had and, and I remember the last time I did so well, and I did better than most uh, movie experts. So there, there you go. go. So, um, so it's bracket week. It's bracket week. So we start uh, Thursday. So Thursday, so there's, game, there's games tomorrow and 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 Wednesday. But thank thankfully they don't. But here's the thing: is that Mississippi State plays Pitt, and Arizona State plays Nevada. And um, if you want, if you think Pitt's going to go far, <laughs> or Mississippi State, or Arizona State, or or Nevada's going to go far. Arizona State beat Arizona at some point yep. this season. Uh, there's a, you know, what do you do there? A VCU. I remember one year they were in the playing games and made it all the way to the Final Four with Shaka Smart, the coach of Marquette, who was at you know, number two seed, and they won the Big East tournament. Beat Ashley St. John's Red Hawks. I was going to say Redmond, but they don't. They're not called that anymore. Louis Karnasek is no longer the coach. So yeah, I'm looking at the bracket right now. There's um, a lot of teams that I that I you know you go by the names you go by pedigree yep. you go by blue bloods. Again, can I say? Did you see the UNC thing last night? North Carolina no. they put out a statement: we're not participating in the NIT. Like no one asked because they want to concentrate on next season. Oh, get but out! That's of a here. little bit like you know we're too good for the yeah. NIT. Come get on, get out of here! But the thing is, NIT is like you keep with this team and you keep the team together. Which you sure. basically told your kids is like we don't care about you. We're on to next season. Yep, you that's know? terrible. That's that just. Take the invitation. I mean, I'm sure the NIT's already filled, but that was that was dumb. I mean, I didn't like that at all. Are we missing anything else in sports that I miss? I don't think so. Uh, I think we're good. We're good. Uh, we're thank you for listening to the daily meditations. Uh, when we're done, I have to record two more for the next couple of days because um, it is a Lenten sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> I go. I gotta come up with fresh material every day and come in here and record and press record it even for five minutes. Uh, and try and, and and knowing fully knowing that it comes out at five a.m. and that people that come to hear my eight o'clock mass are going to hear probably what they heard at five o'clock in the morning. Well, you know, a, a buddy of my, oh, you know, Frank, he yeah. texted me Saturday morning and goes, "Hey, what happened? There's no podcast." Hmm? Yeah, it was like ten. It, it was scheduled to go up ten forty-five in the morning. Why? Well, it, it, so it, it defaulted to ten forty-five. So I was like, ah, hold on, I got you. <laughs> so thank you, Frank, for letting us know. So, but did you post it immediately? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I, yeah. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. So, you so know. we do have we we do have people keeping us honest here. Okay, but I mean, like, I go in there, I make sure that it's five o'clock in the morning. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay, so, so I was like, I don't know if he did it on purpose, but I'm going to go ahead and post it. And live Saturday right was about the prodigal son. I mean, yeah. that was a, I thought that was pretty good. So, so thank you, Frank. Anyways, so pray for Pope Francis today. Offer a prayer for him today and for his intentions. Uh, and as a Samaritan woman, you know, go to Jesus and. Expect to be transformed every time you encounter him. 
And we'll talk again tomorrow morning on our daily reflections. May Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.